Hey everyone, this is Paul Kingsbury. Welcome to the Cutlass Podcast, where we provide fresh perspectives to help you become a more sturdy, versatile, incredible leader and manager. Engage with us online at cutlassleadership.com and like and follow my Facebook page. And send me your questions and topic suggestions to cutlassleadership at gmail.com. Enjoy this episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. So in Chapter 4 of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide, I titled it Technical Management Skill, and frankly, it focuses on exactly what it says, how to be an effective manager, especially in the Navy, in a very technical field. So Navy chiefs wear many hats. I've talked about some of those on prior episodes. They wear a hat as a leader. They wear a hat as a mentor, as a coach, as a disciplinarian. But equally important is the role as a manager because those skills and functions will help them achieve their objectives effectively and efficiently. The four functions, as I've mentioned before, stages in the management process are planning, organizing, and sometimes that's called preparing, performing or directing, and finally follow up in the controlling function. So in the episode today, I want to discuss the first two of these, planning and organizing, and with me to do this is Fleet Massive James Honey. So Jim enlisted in the Navy in 1987, and he rose through the ranks serving as a boatswain's mate on board ships like USS Juno, USS Dubuque, USS Bonhomme Richard. And as a command mass chief, he served in a variety of tours, including USS Gridley, USS New Orleans, Combined, ja- combined Joint Task Force Phoenix when he was deployed to Afghanistan, as Naval Support Activity South Potomac, in U.S. Naval Forces Korea and U.S. Naval Forces Central Command 5th Fleet. And he assumed his current duties as the Fleet Mass Chief of U.S. Pacific Fleet in January of 2018. All right, Jim, aloha. Welcome to the Cutlass Podcast. How's things going for you out there? Aloha, Paul. Yeah, things are going really well, man. I tell you, coming up on my third year at U.S. Pacific Fleet, the times has flown behind me. Things are going very, very well. I'm proud to be here and uh, proud to be on the podcast with you, Paul. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I know. I still, uh, fortunately, through Naval Institute and the things I do, even with the Cutlass Podcast, stay relatively connected, not as deep as I was. And I wish we had more time to talk more one-on-one like we used to. But uh, thanks again for taking this time. I thought it was great. And I thought this was a great topic. You know, I offered up several to you and you picked this one. So I'm glad you did because we go in the leadership topic a lot. And as I talked on active duty a lot, I was big on management functions, right? I had felt we had lost our management focus. We weren't training and educating on it. So I'm definitely going to use this podcast as another tool to help educate on management and those kind of things. So so let's start with overall broad picture management stuff, right? Why do you think understanding the management process and functions is important? To begin with, I, I see the chief petty officer is going to be largely graded on their ability to lead their teams to success and what their technical specialties are. If you're a diesel engine mechanic, you know, you're going to be largely great on your ability to lead those teams, uh, keep all those diesel engines running. And that takes uh, a lot of managerial talent. Uh, it's it's not just uh, being Tony Robbins and inspiring <laughs> the sailors to go to work. You know, you got to be able to tell them what to do. And you have to have been able to, you know, properly manage the resource and resources and getting that work done. Uh, and it requires you to be able to create and use logical processes, you know, to see to that mission success. And through greater experience, by the time 
uh, someone's a chief petty officer, it's much easier for them to visualize those required steps to organize for success. A good plan will keep sailors accountable and it will keep all projects on track. All these things are important. Managing the resources, keeping the team focused, uh, preparing that team for potential barriers and issues, pitfalls that might come up your way. It's going to be required if you're going to break down any kind of real complex uh, projects that you're going to try and look toward. Chief Putty officers cannot just come to work and take on the day and, and read the plan of the day that morning. You know, Chief Putty officers have to have a plan on how we're going to get through day after day, week after week, month after month, and, you know, and for years to build the teams uh, that's going to require to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you touched on something there that I think is important that I want to get into before we get into the first phase of planning, and that's the difference between management and leadership and then how they complement each other. So I've got my take on it, but I wanted to hear yours first. So when you, th- you know, there's a lot of people talking about either one or the other, as if you can only be a leader or a manager, but I think they blend together. So what's your take on how those two functions interact? They absolutely blend together. You're not going to be an effective leader if you don't have good managerial skills. The things that your sailors uh, are depending on you for and, the, and your officers are depending on you to be able to accomplish as a chief require you to be a very, very astute manager, or you're going to fail your sailors as a leader. You're not going to be able to effectively uh, manage watch bills, watch bill replacement plans, maintenance schedules, uh, manage resources as finite as your, your operational budgets, the time. All, all those things require management skills, and it requires you to have it, you know, a very in-depth understanding of the work that's going to take place. They are not separable. You're not going to be a good leader if you're not a good manager. Yeah, I think you start with the management process first as the foundation, right? And most people don't think about it this way, but you know as well as I do, and I've said this on several podcasts already, at any time during a day, at least in the Navy, and I'm sure it's like this other ways, you're in some aspect of a management function and you're probably in multiple during the day. So some part of your time, you're probably sitting down in the office and you're planning out. At some point, you and your team or people you've got delegated to are organizing the resources to do the things they do. Sometimes you have to stop, get up and go direct and supervise. And then sometimes during the end of that day, you might be in a debrief, right? Doing the controlling and following up function. And then to me, the leadership comes in is as you're going through that those different phases of the management process, the leadership is how you motivate your teams to accomplish them. So that's how I've laid it out, frankly, in the Petty Officer's Guide and in my own mind. But I think people need to understand it's not one or the other. It's both of them, and you've got to develop the skills to successfully manage and lead through that process. So let's talk planning first because this is where it all starts it defines where the unit or the organization wants to be, and it intends to be somewhere in the future normally. Some plans are already identified for us, and some things we get to plan on our own. And I really want to, as we go through this, I, you know, more than your command master chief experience, I think we're going to borrow from that too. But I think your experience as a boats and mate is going to be really important here. And you've done several amphib tours. So as we go through this, I really want you to offer some sea stories from those kind of experiences to support the planning and organizing functions. So why is proper planning so important? And then give me some experiences you've had with it. Well, I think uh, proper planning is important uh, for all the reasons that we've already described. Uh, but also I think that it, 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 it helps you with your prioritization. Uh, you understand what all the tasks are they have to get done and then what, what, what priorities are, you know, all those tasks fall into. And something I've been talking a lot about lately 
is also understanding that urgent tasks are going to come up in the middle of all that. It doesn't mean that, you know, the things that you've laid out as priorities are less important than this urgent thing. It's just that urgency will trump priorities quite often. And you, you need to be able to understand that and be flexible to those things. Yeah. So I think, you know, going through that planning process, you're going to lay all those kind of things out and understand, you know, who we are, uh, what we're responsible for, what is it that we do, who we're responsible to. Our relationships are very important on board a ship because everybody does something that you have inherent responsibilities to one another. And before I can do this job, someone else has to have done their job. And if I don't do my job, it's going to affect all these other people on the ship being able to do their job. The entire team is dependent on one another. And understanding those relationships, you know, all kind of play themselves out in that planning process. And uh, that's the the part of it that I think uh, fits into all that as you're explaining. Okay. So, let me frame it on in the Chief Petty Officer's Guide I offered. There's some questions that go into this. So in the experiences, I think you've got most of the time, like if we're going to go into an anchor and evolution or you know what we would call see an anchor detail, we're going to come in pier side or leaving, getting underway or doing amphibious operations or something like that that you've been involved with. That planning has kind of already been done on the bigger scale, right? We know where we need to be when, but you still probably yep. as the BMC or the BMCS had to do – some planning. So to me, there's a set of questions you probably went through. Like you start asking yourself as you're going in the planning process, hey, what has to be done, right? So what's the end state and the objectives I'm after? When's it got to be done by? Where's it going to be done? How's it going to be done? You know, why is it got to be done? And then who will do it? So you go through that list of questioning I thought that was important to help you really think through the planning. Talk about an evolution of your choice and like how you went through the planning process to get it done. Yeah, so what I'll do is I'll talk about like an evolution. Okay. So something that has multiple coas, let's say like more into a buoy. When you look at it, you know, on its face, uh, doesn't sound all that complicated. We're going to put the anchor chain, once it's detached from the anchor, down on top of that buoy, and we're going to shackle it to the ring on the buoy. And then, then the ship can spin around on that buoy, and then, you know, you got a much smaller swing circle in a, in a, in a congested harbor. There's a lot of planning things that have to be put into that. You know, who's going to be on the boat team? What kind of personnel do you have available to handle the shackles and the size of the chain? Uh, how good is your ship handlers uh, for holding the ship on station? All those factors are going to that will help you, you know, process your way through the different COAs of how you're going to actually put that chain down there on top of that buoy. If you're going to use a trolley method, uh, if you're going to use a, a dip rope method, uh, there's different methods for getting that chain down there because it's it's a big piece of heavy metal, right? Uh, that you know that you got to have some strong backs down there with that with that shackle to hook that up. And so those are all be things that's got to be thought through, you know, with your questions. You know, what must be done? Uh, when must it be done? Uh, where will it be done? How will it need to be done? Why does it need to be done? And then who does it need to be done by? As you go through that morning of a buoy, let's say. We decided that we're going to go with the trolley method. We then are going to moor ourselves to that buoy with a line. And then we're going to use that same line as a trolley, you know, to run the anchor chain down using shackles so that it, it'll stay up and it holds us in position. It's a pretty simple process, but it requires a little bit, a few extra steps to make that happen. If that's the, the desired COA, uh, you know, going through all those steps, it will uh, end up getting you to where you want to go but understand what, you know, what those pitfalls are compared to what the other codes would be. Uh, that, now, that 
that is just getting through an evolution. Uh, right. Like all evolutions, they honestly are, are pretty straightforward uh, and not as complex. Additionally, I've had to take many ships through an insert process. And preparing a ship for an insert inspection, you know, is a lot of work. And it's not something that you begin on the month before the insert team shows up. You should be doing doing this kind of work all year round, but making sure that you got everything up to and touching, that you've gone through and you reviewed uh, all of your records and you reviewed all of your equipment, also going to require some several different types of COAs uh, to get after that. And so depending on what kind of resources do you have available to put toward preparing for an in-serve inspection? Is this something I can put the entire department toward, or do I need to uh, have just a small segment of my, my team available to do so? Typically what I've found is that when I want to start looking at in-serve, I start with a smaller team, and then that team grows in its size as we get closer and closer uh, to executing that in-serve. Uh, th- that might be a process that you go through. And, and another process is we're preparing for so the year competition, that, that takes all kinds of planning. And we start from the end result, what we want it to look like on the last end of the day, and take that through the planning all the way up till the day. And multiple different COAs this year, for sure, you know, as we're trying to plan toward having a execute and sell the year week, you know, in force protection, excuse me, health protection condition, Alpha, Bravo, or Charlie, depending on what uh, mitigations are going to be in place for, you know, for the health risk. Uh, so just taking you through a couple different processes and a couple different thoughts just to, to wet the, the conversation's appetite a little bit. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting, right? So this is kind of where I'll blend it in a little bit, right? So some of these, I think some of these things are dictated by schedules, right? So the plan is already driven, like we mentioned. And then, like you said, hey, we're going to more to a buoy. And then you start to consider the situation and then select alternatives. So that's part of the planning process is having several alternatives. The best alternative is selected, but there's still backup alternatives. And I think this is where, frankly, it gets into the risk management piece, right? Because when you evaluate that situation, you know, if you're going to moor to a buoy, I'm sure you're considering the risk management. What are the hazards, right? What's the sea state going to be and things like that? How have you considered factors like that in the planning process? No, those are exactly the things that you're going to have to consider. As you said, I, I also consider, you know, what kind of personnel do I have on deck? What's their experience level? Have they done this before? Uh, how are my you know, my ship handlers up there on the bridge with the captain, how familiar are they with doing a, uh, a procedure like this, or this type of an evolution? What's my confidence that they're going to be able to keep the ship on station for an extended period of time? Um, you know, my boat crew, how, how familiar are they with everything? How congested is the harbor? So forth and so forth. And so those are all planning factors we're going to have to take into consideration. As we choose a COA one, and then uh, who actually is going to be running that evolution uh, as we get tighter and tighter into the time. Okay. Let's talk about that a little bit, right? So when you're selecting a COA, what's been your experience? I think this is where you leverage the brainstorming function and the team experience. I mean, obviously yeah. you've got to have a team that's, you know, as a leader, you're assessing right a little bit of situational leadership here, but what's been, or what's your advice to the listeners on as you're selecting a COA? Is that something you huddle the team with? Do you make the call on your own? How do you do that kind of thing? Yeah, certainly I recommend uh, where you can, you, you huddle a team together. Now, this isn't probably something that you want to huddle. It's something that you want to get your, your most trusted experts involved in that planning process. So typically, myself as the chief was there with the ship's bosun and the ship's first lieutenant, and we would run through the different COAs and understand what the pros and cons are with those COAs. 
And then we would pitch those with the XO and the commanding officer eventually and selected what we just what we determined to be the the most prudent of the toes is you know to move forward. As I said, you, you know you'd have to take a lot of things into consideration, outside variables that you have no control over, uh, so that we can mitigate those risks, as well as the the variables with inside our control, and how do we make those adjusted uh, to our greatest benefit? Yeah, and I think. Uh... On the side where you are creating the plan, I think the leadership piece, this is where it blends together. We would call this the vision, right? So the looking out in the future, having a sense of where you want the broader organization to go. So as a division chief or department LCPO or a command mass chief, were you ever involved in that process of creating a vision and kind of the plans that go with that? Yeah, certainly uh, in the job that I'm in today, certainly also as a division and a department LCPO, I think that it starts with the chief petty officer and create what that vision is going to be for that division and, and looking forward. So as you get prepared to go on a deployment, you got to make sure that you have the watch teams that you're going to need to have to get you through the entire deployment, through the training phase, through the deployment and then post-deployment in a way that you're healthy for the next deployment. And so that's all creating that vision and, and laying out that landscape to go forward. And then on top of that, you know, you're going to blend in what the departmental vision is and what the command vision is. This management thing's not just easy, right? Some of these things are, uh, you know, sometimes the organizational learning has happened, right? And the track is clear, but sometimes just the planning process alone, you got to work with other people. You're not doing it on your own. There's a lot of collaboration to work that plan going forward. It's extremely important to have that kind of collaboration with your seniors uh, and your subordinates and developing a, you know, a well understood plan going forward. And sometimes, uh, you know, you may not have all of the understanding, you know, from higher up and, and that does make it challenging when you don't have all the ideas. Right. All right. So we've picked a plan. We picked a COA. We've got some backup COAs or courses of action. We're good. Here we go. Now it's time to start to organize resources or prepare, right? So this is the next phase. Again, for some broader events like an unrep that you've been underway replenishment or, you know, an amphibious operation, that could definitely be overwhelming thing to get organized for. But Navy sailors do it all the time, right? We organize flight operations on a flight deck. If I'm in the Marine, you know, military organizations do this pretty well, right? They do a lot of this organizing functions. And sometimes, The organizing is already done, already ahead of time for you. And I think there's also some blending between the planning and organizing process that we've been experienced with. What's your framework, experience, and advice on how to best organize for an evolution? Maybe we go back to that mooring to a buoy thing. The next step that you need to do once you've fully developed your POA and your plan uh, is to communicate that plan with the rest of the team. Okay. Uh, it, It needs to be well communicated. And then as much as possible rehearsed uh, before you start actually performing anything that could be dangerous. Uh, You want to have rehearsed that and walked it through so that every member of the team understands exactly what their role is going to be as you step through this in executing that plan. Once those things are done and everybody's had an opportunity to ask questions and gain understanding, uh, then you're going to be prepared to execute. So where's training kick into this, right? So one of the things you got to organize is the training for the skill sets you might need for something in the future. Yes, so certainly. And that goes back to my point, you know, talking about setting the vision for your division or your department as you're getting ready to go on deployment, as you're getting ready to go through the training phase of that ship. 
you need to have thought that all the way through, understand, you know, when folks are going to be uh, departing and knowing who your second or third team's going to be. And I think that's extremely critical then and even more probably uh, critical today, right now in a COVID environment. You don't ever know when you're going to have a member of your team have to go down for health reasons. You, you need to have a very deep bench. Chicago Bulls won all those uh, championships, yeah, because Michael Jordan, but they had a really good bench. They could always come out there and play, give Michael Jordan and, and the other starters a rest when necessary. So that's extremely critical in today's age is to have kind of thought that through. But how, how you're going to get them properly trained to execute the deployment, all the watch stations you're going to need, all the way to coming back from deployment. So you get back to the more into the more into a buoy evolution. You know, you should have people that you know that are qualified for a, a lot of the different parts of that evolution. And those that that don't, that, that's that's where you need to get them trained up, communicate. Make sure they got the skills necessary to execute. And you're going to get a lot of that through rehearsal. So when you organize, right? So one of the things you're organizing, obviously we've talked about, is your people. You're going to organize your tools. You're going to organize your supplies. And you may have to also organize time, right? These are typically things that you have to adjust for. So when you're organizing your people, what are the tools you use to do those things? And then how far out? So if we back it up to mooring to a buoy, did you think like, hey, I just want to get it done? Or did you think about, I want the best people to do that? Or do you just base it on risk, right? Like, hey, this is a high-risk evolution. I need my best team. But for other evolutions, I can organize my people to get, you know, there may be less experience, but it's an opportunity for them to learn. What was your thought process with that? Paul, answer your question, yes. Uh, all of the above. Okay. I, I considered all those things. You know, I wanted to have my best team in place. If they weren't the one actually executing it, then I wanted them to be in a position so they could help somebody out that was trying to learn. Because I also wanted there to be a learning process so that the next time we do this, there's going to be more people that we're going to be experienced with with that evolution. Uh, there was going to be members of the boat team uh, that were going to be very familiar with that process. And there was going to be some that were going to be learning it from the others on that team, as well as the folks with deck crew and, and so forth. I, I, I wanted there to be continuously building on the depth of the bench at the same time, making sure my superstars were leading the effort, giving me the, the least risk. Okay. Yeah. So with people, you got a little bit of flexibility, right? You got, depending on, you know, again, this gets into that situational leadership kind of style. Are they experienced? Are they confident or not? That helps you shape that team, right? So when I was a nuke, we'd be preparing for ORS, which is our big safety exam. You wanted your A team and you would put not necessarily most qualified, but we knew we had six months to a year to train that team up, right? So we could take a little bit of risk there with less experienced people. But definitely the leadership on that team, we selected, you know, the watch supervisors who were the most experienced, maybe have an horse in their belt or were qualified in that platform to help that more junior officer and that junior watch team grow through that training period to succeed in horse. So let's go to like an unwrap or something like that. When you get into your equipment and your tools, some of that can be already organized for you, right? So it's not, it's less about organizing and more about, Hey, we know we're going to have these standard things. Let's have them prepared and put in a certain place. Is that kind of how you thought about that with equipment and tools? You know, I think if you went on to probably any deck locker in the United States Navy, you're going to see that every one of them have unwrapped toolkits. Okay. And inside toolkit, if you unroll it, it's a canvas bag and it has pockets and those pockets are labeled for what those toolkit, you know, what belongs in that toolkit. 
so that it's organized, it's laid out. It should be a zero chance of failure because it, everything has a place, every place has a thing. And it makes it very, very simple. And if you ever to open up a toolkit uh, well in advance of the evolution and you see a pocket's in, then you get that pocket replaced and you get the right tool there uh, where it needs to be. So that's kind of how we manage the equipment and the tools. And we made sure planning all that stuff out well before deployment to make sure that you had plenty of those tools and the equipment to make it for the entire deployment, whatever that was going to be. Okay. Some other thing we plan for, right, is definitely in the Navy and warfighting organizations is the unexpected, right? The things that aren't planned, but they get introduced. This is why being organized matters, right? So this is our damage control lockers are organized. I've seen them where I've gone into damage control lockers and they're disorganized, right? That is a problem because the last thing you need to do when, frankly, the shit hits the fan is be scrambling to find the things you need when you need them. I think that's another reason that this kind of being organized and organizational process is important. Yeah, and, and why we have policies and procedures that are Navy-wide, yep. you know, so that you can go from one locker to another. And as long as we're following the proper processes and our training, then things are going to be up, up to speed, just as you're described, as would be ideal. I think that most lockers you're going to go to are, are going to be, as you described, and they're going to be properly laid out and organized. Because yep. if they're not, dude, that, that's just a recipe for failure. And, yep. and that's not the time to find out is when we needed an emergency. That's the reason why we lay things out in deck department in a, in a fashion that are very orderly, understood by everybody, and organized like that. And so that when it's necessary and when it's needed in, in a crunch, you, you don't have to run around and reinvent the checklist. It's laid out for you in, in a very, very simple to follow method. And we're not going to get into it today, but this is because the next thing you're going to immediately go into is the directing function at that point, right? In a, an emergency situation. But to the prior point, right? This, I don't care if you're a lawyer, a doctor, an EMT, a secretary, guaranteed at some point the job you're doing, all this organizational learning has been captured and things are already organized, right? So people are organized in watch bills or organizational charts. Procedures are organized in organizational manuals or operating and maintenance procedures and then instructions. All those things kind of capture all this learning. So you just got to, in many cases, know what those resources are and you better be familiar with them. Or if you're not and you have to create something new, maybe there's someone who's been there and done that before that you can go resource. And I think that's the strength. One of the attributes of the cheese mess is I can find someone if I'm going through how to best organize, I've got that or plan, frankly, I've got that experience base I can leverage uh, to help me get through those processes. Exactly. You're going to have that experience base. That experience base knows what order things need to be put into. And you need to be able to break down very, very complex issues, projects, problems. They, they need to be able to be broken down into simpler to understand and digestible terms so that everybody can get after it and everybody knows how to get after it, as well as prioritize how we're going to go after those things. If you haven't broke that stuff down, once you're hit in the face with it, it's just going to be very, very challenging. Uh, so that's exactly, as you described it, the why we have to have it. Also, the who is going to be your chief buddy officer because they're going to have the experience background on, on the how. And this gets into, we didn't talk it up front, but I'll, I'll make this point now. So this is why management functions matter, right? It's not just about being more effective and efficient, but you do not want to go into the directing part where you're getting ready to execute a big maintenance item or an operation and you haven't invested in the organizing part 
tell me it's not frustrating for a team to tag out a big piece of equipment and get to start the job to realize they don't have the tools because they haven't been organized, right? And now people are sitting around waiting to get things done. You're wasting time and your team gets frustrated. So people got to understand when you don't manage properly, it's not that the job doesn't get done. You really start to piss your people and your team off and they get frustrated. Am I off with that or what do you think? No, you're spot on. And it is going to be something as simple as when you're going to do antenna maintenance when you're going into the shipyard. And you take all the antennas off the ship. I mean, that's a, it's a huge, huge undertaking. You're shutting down the pier. You're bringing all these cranes on. You got to, all kinds of people are going to be kind of put out while we're going through all this work. You know, and if you've not planned that all out, when, you, when you're bringing them back on and you've gotten all the base maintenance done and everything's prepped and preserved, who's got the bolts, who's got the different fasteners so we can get these things back in place. If that stuff's not been organized, it, it's going to put a lot of people out and it's going to waste a lot of resources. Went through the first two functions here, planning, organizing, any thoughts or alibis on those two that you want to offer the audience? I think that uh, we, we've hit them all. I just go back to, again, uh, the importance of it. Like you said, that it, it makes you more efficient. It's going to break down complex problems, help you establish priorities, and, and simplify tasks. One Another difference between, frankly, management and leadership, right? Leadership tends to go towards soft skills and very situational-based stuff. There's some things you can learn as you go, but most, most of the time it's, it's learned through experience and then applying your own personality and different things. With management, these are hard skills, right? So some people need to learn to be better planners and they're not very organized. So you can learn how to be better organized. You can use tools, maintenance schedules, Excel, time management skills. These are things you can get better at. So I would offer people if they find themselves not with good planning and organizing skills to really reflect on those and strengthen them. Yeah, and reflect is a, is a good word, Paul. Uh, chief petty officers need to give themselves time alone, you know, to think through all these things and reflect and understand, you know, what the landscape's looking like in the future, what's coming up on them. So he or she can kind of lay some of that stuff out and then sit down with the divisional leadership, you know, to develop plans with their LPO, with the division officer. And if chief petty officers aren't giving them themselves that time to reflect, then too much stuff is just going to come up on them. And, uh, and and then they're going to be set, you know, trying to execute with no plan. You get off plan or you have no plan, you're going to be setting yourself up to fail more often than not. So I think that's a great way to finish this episode. All right, everyone, my guest today has been Flea Mashy, Jim Honey. Jim, it's been great to spend some time with you, to, you know, discussing these two functions of management. I think it's an important topic and hopefully we've offered some, you know, people something to think about. And it's also been great to catch up. Hey, thanks, Paul. Same here, man. Really appreciate uh, getting the chance to catch up with you and and, and discuss this topic. And I'm always available uh, anytime you want to talk about anything. All right, Jim. Good luck to you. It's good talking to you. And uh, to the audience, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. I'm Paul Kingsbury. As always, work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp. Take time to reflect and improve. And then to take what you learn to become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who makes a positive difference in their personal and professional life.